0: Hello, this is the second of a pair of episodes, an episode 17 of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Day.
1: The other day I was speaking to a church minister about all things masculine. I said how men our age often feel very stifled by the modern world and we don't really get the chance to undertake rites of passage or initiations or have any reason to prove ourselves as men. I said the world has just become too easy to live in. He said to me that may be true. However, never in human history has more temptation to sin been shoved in a man's face than it is today. In fact, it's encouraged. Every single day we are blasted with so many sexual innuendos and degenerate messages that being able to resist them means you have to overcome a challenge that no man in our long history has ever had to face. No man in history has ever had to win a battle against internet porn, but you have. It's easy to get down about the state of things, but view it as a challenge. If you can resist sin in an age like this, then that is something to be proud of, because at no other time in history was sin so easy and promoted so much. Yes, men in the past have been able to etch their names in history by fighting heroic wars or dying as martyrs, but you, living in this day and age, and still holding off the temptations of the modern world, have overcome something they never did.
0: And that was my favorite piece by today's guest. A guest who, I had the privilege of being a guest on his podcast, is one of these I'm finding to be many wise beyond their years Gen Z members. He hails from Australia, as you can probably tell by his accent, and his name is Zenobiel. What I find particularly interesting about his content is he seems to be the only one making an attempt, at least within the solar sphere, at least within this. Renaissance of men on the younger side of things, on the younger generations, to be creating maps of belief, maps of meaning, maps of religion, maps of science, maps of magic, as I've recently found out. And sometimes when you see individuals making such maps, you find that it's for personal gain, or you find that it's to create notoriety for their name. But what I'm seeing in the essence of Zenovial, the way that he speaks and the aura around his intentions and the aura around his being, it is that he is doing this for the betterment of man now and for the future of man. So it is truly a privilege to have Zenovial on this episode of the podcast. Thank you so yeah. much for being here, brother.
1: Oh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate those words. and Yeah, that's what I try to do. I try to, you know. Give back and create a better world around me, and I, I really appreciate that you recognize that and that you enjoy my content.
0: Oh, it's it's uh, it's it's certainly a pleasure to know you, and it's a pleasure to, uh, to take in your content. And honestly, me just saying that is really just speaking the truth that you're radiating. So as long as oh, thank you're you. doing that, then I think people picking up just fine.
1: Thank you.
0: So as always, when I have a guest on this podcast, especially in relation to the sphere and all of us. Coming together all at once, I think it's best for people to know a bit more about who it is that's pumping out this content that is improving people's lives. You know, first and foremost. So I'd love to hear a bit about your background, where in Australia you grew up, maybe some of your cultural, ethnic background, and how you sort of came to this area of expertise. That Many seem to be not necessarily avoiding, but it's not their first and foremost area of interest. It's typically just things having to do with the gym or things having to do with masculinity. But how, how did you get into this sort of area of expertise and, and feel the need to, um, to feel feel the need to pedal that within the sphere? So basically, I'm just requesting the A to Z history
1: of xenobial. Sure. Um. Well, I've always, I suppose, ever since I was a young kid, had the sense that we were kind of missing something and that there's something more to this um this whole existence i mean even from like i can't remember too much before like when i was you know maybe 10 years old or whatever but i remember like kind of 10 11 12 i started to like there was a a feeling that kind of bugged me and i knew that there was something more to the world like the growing up and just getting a good job and and all that wasn't kind of all there was to it and um, and that kind of bugged me for a while because I was quite young and didn't really understand why I felt like that and I thought oh maybe I'm just a bit weird or something. Um, it was nothing that like you know didn't ruin my life or anything but I always just got the inkling that there was a little more to life and I would see some authentic art or an authentic movie or um, I listened to older music as well even when I was quite young and I always kind of got something out of that and I always thought there was something the modern world was lacking a little bit of authenticity and like culture. And so that always um, played on my mind a little bit. And as I got older, um, I kind of just pushed it out of my head a bit. And I guess you could say I just became more and more of a normie. Um, and then I guess since finishing high school, um, you get out into the real world and stuff and, and you kind of get these bigger questions and, um, you know, like a lot of people in this circle started watching people like Jordan Peterson. um, And, you know, he really kind of uh, gives you a bit of a different outlook on the world. And um, I started, you know, learning philosophy, psychology. um, And and I'm kind of one of those people that always has to go like as far down the rabbit hole as possible. Um, And so I can never just like, yeah, I can never just kind of call it... um, A day at a certain point like i just always have to keep looking and looking and looking and that's what i've been doing for years to be honest like i spend most of my days learning listening to podcasts youtube videos reading um you know talking to people smarter than me um because i just want to get to the bottom of everything and um and i find that really rewarding and you know i always try to be intellectually honest with myself and always look at you know um Look at anything you know no matter what my preconceived notions might have been um you know i always try to suspend all belief or disbelief in things and give any everything like a you know fair fair shake of a bottle and um and that's led to quite a lot of fulfillment and, and growth i suppose and then you know i just felt the, the need to share that kind of knowledge with the world and uh, found a nice community and. Uh, you know pages and podcasts like yours have um, helped take me to another level you know we're all building off the back of each other I think and um, so I guess that's where it's going but um, I don't think there was any particular moment in my life that was a huge turning point or a huge crossroads but I often had chances to exercise you know virtual responsibility and stuff And, and I would do those and then it just, yeah, I guess everything just kind of grew naturally, I suppose.
0: Well, certainly, the the inkling that I'm getting is this all happened very organically. Um, yes, and or, I say organically, really in the traditional sense, because when you spoke about needing to go down as far down the rabbit hole as possible, there are a lot of people who would sort of list that or categorize that as something that is not organic due to extremity, but I think masculine sort of willpower and fascination um, and taking extreme action to master or begin to master an understanding of a topic that they find is enriching and calling to them, I find that abundantly organic. So when I say organic, I do mean that in the literal sense of the term, not this sort of strange half measure truth that is being peddled through postmodernism that's certainly crumbling
1: yeah no i understand Um, what you mean yeah it it was like that it was organic in the sense that it like all flowed naturally you know it was just what kind of felt right like if i discovered something i didn't know about i wanted to learn about it i would just go and find out about it and then you know when you have the answer to one question you find you have 10 more questions and that's just kind of been where it's all going i suppose
0: so, you were day to day growing up. So, you, you had these questions. You had this inkling that there is this sort of background world. And I say background world in a reference to me being a guest on your podcast. Um, <laughs> and for all you listeners, uh, if you haven't caught wind um, through any of my postings and such that I was uh, a guest on Denovio's podcast, you go to YouTube and type in "zenoviel" podcast episode fourteen. Um, that is the b- about would say an hour long episode of us having a pretty interesting discussion about yeah, orthodoxy, good. manhood, uh, music, hidden meanings, and things of that things of that nature. Um, but I get the sense that so so what did what did the sort of three dimensional tangible world look like for you? Did you did you find Growing up in Australia, conducive to some of the things that you were beginning to research, or did you find it? it was sort of a, a resistance towards it, or what was mm. the what was the external sort of conflict with like for you in this journey?
1: I always feel like Australia is a little bit disconnected from world culture. I mean, um, the at least the Anglo West kind of originates more in London. And then in the modern day, the center of the Western world has been in America. And Australia feels like a bit of an outpost, um, kind of on the edge of the world. And it's very kind of relaxed and quiet. and The culture isn't as uh, full on as it is in like Europe and America. Um, I mean, if you're in the middle of the city, it's still hustle and bustle. But like generally, like people's attitudes to life are, are much more relaxed um, and that can be nice, but I also find that a bit um, unfulfilling. Like people are really content with just like going to work and then, you know, coming home and watching sport and having a good time with their family and then, you know, going to the pub drinking and then just like doing it all again. And like um, a lot of Australians see like that very simple life as being quote virtuous. And, you know, that's what Australia culture is. You know, um, it is more or less because, I mean, uh, since it was, you know, colonized, that wasn't all that long ago and we haven't had years to develop um, an authentic kind of Australian modern culture. Obviously, the Indigenous Australians had their culture, but um, and, it's, and so I always found that a bit stifling and I always felt like I was kind of missing out on stuff. Um, and it felt like the authentic and the genuine stuff was all always over in, like, Europe or in America. And that seemed where all the action was happening. And so, in a sense, it probably fe- it probably had a bit of FOMO, if you know what that is, fear of missing out. Um, you kind of have that, like, like, you're kind of separated from all the action and you just want to, like... I remember when I was young, like, I bought into that whole Australian idea of, you know... Um, just being a good guy and being chilled out and taking it easy and everything and like that's all well and good but like where's the honor in that you know where's the glory in that where's the passion where's the you know no one remembers the guy that worked uh, you know a blue collar job and then um, you know had a nice family and took care of his kids and stuff and you know had, had a nice social circle and like that's all well and good but like history doesn't remember a name like that and I always felt like there was something more, and um, and so I think perhaps um, that kind of aspect of growing up in Australia is what you know prompted my kind of interest in things like religion, philosophy, you know, esoteric stuff. Because it was like I just feel like there's more out there that I'm not grasping, you know, if that makes sense.
0: No, that absolutely makes sense. Um. I mean, that's, that's sort of a similar... That's, that's actually a big cornerstone of, of the original poem I wrote, Blood and Rain, for the last two lines, I just hmm. say. So keep your leisure in sunshine and I'll take Blood and Rain. Yeah, Sunshine not sort of vilifying the sun itself. Um, but in my sort of standpoint, it's a bit... Granted, while I'm in the Bay Area, and this is this is the center of the world for tech, and I'm in the United States, and I'm in the Golden State, I'm in California. Um, there is... A bit of a disconnect for me, honestly, very similar to what you're saying in Australia of you catch these guys who just, you know, as long as I get the tech job, as long as I get the six figure salary mm-hmm. then I'm square. So it's like, you know, I have my finances squared away and then in the meantime, I have a one k and have some vacation time and that's great. It's pretty easy to work for this company that's providing everything for me and it's almost like you're still living with your parents except if your parents is Apple, Google or Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, you catch me at the happy hour at 6 p.m. on Friday drinking IPAs.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the Australian attitude. IPAs. It's just like as long as I can have a beer after work and like watch the footy, then we're all good.
0: You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. That is that. <laughs> yeah, that is a very depressing. standard of life to
1: have, it's and, um, peaceful and relaxing. But it's yeah, you go on. But it's it's just not enough. You
0: yeah. you go on. Sorry. No, it's it, it's no, no, it's, it's quite all right. Um, it's 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 not enough. And, and honestly, if you were to have a conversation with these people, you would eventually find one of two things. At least, you would find a something that they've been longing to do that would that would be deeply fulfilling that they're not getting around to. And if you keep zeroing in on it, they'll grow more and more uncomfortable because they'll be put face to face with the fact that they're avoiding the thing that could be most deeply fulfilling to them. Yeah well, on the flip yeah, side of things, you, you keep having this conversation with them and you almost leave them haunted as as you as you cut deeper and deeper and deeper. Because they haven't even begun to ask some of these questions, these prerequisite questions about their own existence. Yeah, I know and that. sometimes yeah. you can, like, you can leave them unnerved. You can leave them truly haunted by this fact. And I don't, I don't think I, I haven't encountered an experience with that ultimately ended up for the negative. It, it ultimately ends up in a positive for them because they begin to start asking that question. But initially, you'll see this terrified, haunted look on their face.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're referring to. Um, yeah, like, I've had it a couple of times where someone has been, like, slightly interested in these kinds of topics, but just, like, a little bit, and then, like, me being me just got carried away and, like, you know, told them everything, like, I can think of, and then they're just kind of, like, staring at you, like, <laughs> oh, my God, like, like you're like, oh, sorry, probably, like, you probably weren't ready for all that. But um, I know the that exact stare where they're, like, it's that first moment in their life they'd be like because i think these people probably have a little feeling deep down that there's more to this whole thing than they were told um but i think yeah i think that's kind of the first time they're like oh hang on this this suspicion i have might actually be real you know like like you can you can see it in their eyes
0: yeah it's 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 certainly a spark that makes itself abundantly present it's, it's, it's wonderful to see but then you have to sort of disengage like okay well I've said what I needed to say and now it's time for you to figure this out on your own because if I keep saying anything yeah. it's going to be like speaking to a wall
1: um, yeah and there's so much stuff that like would never make sense unless you have a lot of um, background knowledge and, and things like that so yeah yeah
0: I mean I'm see, I'm seeing that so much here, and that, that was that was certainly a frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it is it is very Matrix-esque. It's like you know, you can take the blue pill and you can go home believing whatever you want to believe, or you can take the red pill, and it's going to be you know. Yeah, that's it. Y- 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 everyone everyone listening knows the rest, and if they don't, well, I'm very curious as to how they found this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but so. How did you wind up navigating that then? So you you have this sort of fear of missing out, which which I understand because I actually I had a similar dynamic happen where I thought it was just the Bay Area where that was happening. Like we always think it's just the immediate vicinity that we're in. Like oh elsewhere there's yeah just boundless people who are searching. Like no, it's really not the mm-hmm. case. When I went to drama school in London, I'm thinking wow well, I'm at the moment premier drama schools in the world you know like only 28 people get into this school so i'm sure i'm just going to be surrounded with enriching conversations and people driving for this deeper meaning just without without mercy you know and then you get there and i start i very naively very naively at 19 years old try striking up these conversations like Mm. almost being thought like well okay the american guy that they've got is you know pretty intense (laughs) (laughs) um so that yeah. that left me deeply involved and I'm mean, I'm in London, you know, like the fr- fr- people would argue London and New York are the two you know one of those two is the center of the world, in terms yeah, of the world. yeah and just sort of you feel like you're in the center of the universe and New York used to have that and ever honestly, ever since nine eleven it's lost it unfortunately, which is very sad to say um, mm. but London still has that, but you, I had that same sort of stonewall so how did you navigate that accordingly how did you navigate being surrounded with people in australia who were were settling ultimately like ultimately it's just settled
1: yeah
0: was there an enraged period or did you did you try putting this in one focus in order to separate yourself from it you accept it how did how did that work out for you
1: well i'm quite grateful that there never really was a enraged period like i never hated the world I never, you know, wished harm on anything. I never kind of thought, I wish this, like we could just blow this whole thing up and start over, Um, which I think quite a lot of people do feel at some stage. And I I never had that, so I'm quite relieved, I suppose. Um, In terms of how did I navigate it, I think I'm still learning to navigate it, to be honest. Um, Obviously, you find your refuge in certain um, content creators, uh, who are on the same page as you more or less. And you kind of get that feeling like, oh, I'm not the only one. Like, okay, that's a relief kind of thing. Um, because, you know, like growing up, being a young kid before social media, the only circle you know is kind of your immediate friend circle. And thankfully, I actually had a few who were kind of on this level as well. Like they kind of thought the way I did and they, they could identify like certain problems with the world that i i found and and so that actually probably helped things to be honest because i I was lucky in the sense i had a couple of friends that were just like that um but i could still tell you know most of the world around me was was you know um breathing but not living and and you know to this day i'm still trying to work it out um i always struggle a bit when like people say to me oh yeah like what are you doing to yourself and i'm like oh you know working here and there and doing a bit of this and that and then just kind of like oh okay and i'm like but like what i'm really doing is like reading about angels and demons and like (laughs) you know like learning old spells that people used to do to conjure up ain't like saint michael the archangel and stuff like that and it's like well i can't tell these people that sort of thing can i um so Yeah, i I think i'm still learning and you know you you find your tribe like as cliche as it sounds um but it's made easier through things like you know social medias we 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 trash on social media a lot but it we wouldn't have found each other if it wasn't for social media you know and you find other like-minded people like yourself and um and you know others as well and some of my friends are more and more interested in this now that i like we've had many nights at the pub where we've been on you know a few too many beers and i've just like Gone like completely down the rabbit hole, and like you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can imagine what it's like. <laughs> We've had I, I can I can yeah. many a night, uh, and but th- it's woken a few of them up to um, certain things, and they're kind of trying to find their own path in life and looking for fulfilment and authenticity and stuff. And um and yeah, and and you know what it is? It's it's taking taking the good things where you can like if you find a nice piece of culture, you know, appreciate it. Um, If you find a person who's kind of on the same wavelength as you, you know, appreciate them, spend time with them. Um, Find a YouTube channel or an Instagram page that speaks to you, you know, follow it, look at all this stuff, engage with all this stuff. And it's all about, you know, finding what you can where you can. And, um, you know, a lot of the time I'm in a place that, feels very empty and hollow and soulless and i just try to kind of look past it and and understand that you know fulfillment and everything comes from within and that's that's the key i suppose at least that's what i've worked out so far but i think we're all still learning to navigate those waters ourselves really
0: i would certainly agree i mean i don't think anyone who's gonna have one day where they wake up i've completely figured out how to navigate it yeah. <laughs> No, no, I don't need any more lessons. Life, thank you. Yeah, um, that's a sure surefire way to actually destroy yourself. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> speaking of pub conversations, I remember uh, a certain pub in Soho, of all places, in like, yeah, yeah. like the the ritziest part, not one of the ritziest parts of London. Mm-hmm. Like, however many I think, go up to the bartender and I said, I mean, I was 19 years old and. For Scotch to be cheaper than Jack Daniels is just absolutely backwards to me. I understand <laughs> import costs. I understand how these things work, but you're telling me like Avalon Sixteen is three pounds and Jack Daniels <laughs> is five. I'm like, hi, excuse me. Um, can I have two doubles of like Avalon Sixteen? She's like, so a quadruple. I'm, cool. I'm like, yes. Um, Dude, and various just me. <laughs> 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 I mean, I went to drama school. If I can't whip out a few, yeah. I didn't do a very yeah. good job, did I? <laughs> um, but I, uh, and I'd sit down and I'd be sort of the one guy writing in the corner. And someone actually, someone drunkenly came over to me and was like, I always see you in the corner. Just writing your journal. Are, are you having a way? Are you American? And I was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, him and his mates came over and we basically had like this, one of these discussions that you're saying, but I found it so much more I found it a lot easier to have these discussions with strangers because, you know, like the, stakes be, are, yeah. the stakes are nothing, you know? Like, it's like, yeah. I'm never going to see you again if things go wrong. Who cares? Who yeah. cares? Yeah, that's Whereas the fun. i have to see you in the drama studio tomorrow morning. You know, like, oh, did you believe this?
1: Yeah, yeah man, you feel a bit weird, eh? Isn't it? <laughs>
0: um, so, you know, actually, I, I think the more strangers we have these conversations with you know the ripple effect sometimes going to be much greater because there's no immediate stonewall effect with them being someone you have in your immediate life mm. so what they're going to do with that seed th- there's nothing going to be i mean sure there might be some control some some stonewall some harm done to that seed that i'm, I'm speaking of that we we won't know because we'll never see them again yeah but there's definitely nothing immediate. So you can see, like it might be growth that you'll never see, but certainly feel in the universe, feel in mm. day-to-day life and the energy and the vibration of the world rising. Um, what's What's interesting to me is if you go to your page <laughs> on Instagram and everyone go follow his page, the piece that he wrote, that he read at the beginning was a piece he wrote on March 12th. So, He's pumping out greater and greater and greater content so that's that speaking of your writing crowds but in terms of your absolutely um, in terms of your, your aesthetic selection i recently started an aesthetics page following the lead of forest Munden and then following the lead of will spencer of renaissance of men <laughs> and what i'm beginning to really enjoy about this sort of aesthetic warfare that i was a bit apprehensive about at first because i saw i saw so much the abuse of aesthetics People of true ill intent and true hollow nature were cultivating great e- external aesthetic and then leading people astray. So taking back aesthetics has been something that's been very fulfilling. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you take a look at your aesthetic, it's very... It's like, to, to compare it to some others, you know, Forrest Munden's page is very, you know, as he would describe it, determined there's a lot of classic art, a lot of fostering and Getting back to the warrior and the patriarch, you take a look at um, you take a look at Will Spencer's. It's very, um, it's just, it, it's the pinnacle of beauty, really, in all things. It's just mm. this, this pure, you know, truly, he's trying to foster a renaissance. You can see that with the images. You take a look at mine. Um, you know, Libertate was joking that um, there's a lot of fighting in city, nineties, yes, aesthetic, is, yeah. religion, and you know, things like that. Yeah, um, what I really enjoy about yours is there seems to be, I can almost, I can almost create a shape in my mind by looking at your aesthetic. It's like this—you're reaching this pinnacle. You're reaching this mountain top, and at the top is there's this boundless light. And that's something that I certainly enjoy. But then you take a look at sort of the more detailed nuances of the aesthetic of your page. You see a bunch of different routes to that light. And that certainly sort of echoes that proverb I like to stand by, especially in the martial arts world of there is always more than one way up the mountain. So how did you... Was there a a point in time where... And this this is a very long winded way of, of getting of getting to this question, but I'm trying to sort of cover all the bases and sort of set the stage in and, and yeah, yeah. the discussion. You you came across things like Catholicism. You came across things like Eastern religion, like philosophy. Yeah. Um, as I more mo- as I more recently found out, um, things regarding magic and systems of magic and sy- <laughs> systems of manifestation when did you start to realize that these things were all connected as opposed to separate opposing forces?
1: Uh, Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big one with religion. I I guess when you kind of, um, when you kind of peel back the layers, so I was an atheist initially, and then I was kind of Christian, and then I was kind of I was like, I wanted to look more into like occult stuff and esoteric stuff, and so kind of went away from Christianity a bit. And now I'm pretty much back. Um, but I see, like, I talk about this with um real Greek bro. I'm not sure if you know his page, um, but I've done podcasts with him, and we kind of talk about the logos and, um, and what the logos is, and it's like the, it's like the highest form of good, right? And the idea is that Christ Himself. Um, embodies the Logos, and he gives us a human to aim at, right? A, you see the Logos in human form, so we know how to aim at the highest form of good. And I think when you when you view religion, um, and some religions aim at it better than others, um, but when you, when you view religion and mythology and, you know, philosophy and stuff as all ways of trying to explain and portray to you the concept of logos and perfection right um then you can kind of you you've kind of jailbroken them in a way um and and i guess that's kind of like um that's kind of the way i look at it i think christianity personally is the best way to find the logos um through christ and and i guess once you understand logos the the um Again, the, the embodiment of good, the 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 most perfect, the the reasoning, the source of everything good in the universe, being logos. Then that what that does is that you try to manifest that logos through everything you do. Um, so you know, if it's my Instagram page, I try to only promote posts and stuff which you know aim at that and that highest good. Um, aesthetics I want them to reflect the highest good and that that's kind of the thing that's why I I post you know if you look at my page I post a lot of very um old-fashioned mostly European um but also there's a bit of other stuff there as well um Japanese I noticed yeah a little bit I really like Japanese um aesthetic as well I I should actually post more Japanese stuff but um (laughs) but what it's trying to convey is that's like like you look at some of the places that I posted, um, and and they're just like absolutely stunning. Like you can't believe they're real. And and what that is is that's a human trying to portray logos through architecture. For example, um, you know a fantastic piece of artwork is humans trying to portray logos through art. You know um, the the best like the most if you if you have that logos inside you and logos being the ultimate good. And you imagine that as a little white light inside you and and that white light permeates out of you and it comes out of your head and out of your fingers and toes and everything. And then everything you touch, you want to turn to logos, right? So if you're going to build something, you could never be content with building an ugly little shack. You'd want to build an amazing cathedral. You know, um, if you write something, you don't want to do some like crappy little post. I'm like, I've done a few like, more low-key posts but you generally want to create something that's really good really impactful um you know put your best messages on the page um when you have a podcast and a conversation you want to uh, talk about the highest ideals and what all that is is that's the logos inside you permeating outwards um and so yeah that's how that's how i view a lot of culture and art and religion and philosophy it's all you know, at least the good stuff, is expressions of, of logos. And so I guess that's how you kind of peel back the layers and really see what's under them. I think that's what you're getting at with the question. I might have answered that completely wrong, but um, is that kind of what you were looking for?
0: That's exactly what I was looking for, okay. actually. <laughs> cool. um, so, yeah, you, you sort, of, you're sort of assigned all of these. You assigned all of these sort of belief systems and roads you went down to the Logos, and to preface, folks, uh, the episode of his podcast after the episode uh, in which I was a guest was that same episode he's speaking of of Real Greek Bra, that's episode 15, yeah. uh, that is a fantastic episode, um, Real Greek Bra uh, has a talent for taking very vast, um, very vast subjects and breaking them down to the sort of like the smallest, most
1: digestible Oh, he's fantastic like, at that. See, I gotta go on a monologue, but he can just put it in like a couple of sentences perfectly, and you'd be like, "Oh man!" Like it's it's like a quote, you know. Um, when that guy dies, he'll have so many quotes like written, that, you know, that he spoke because he he has a like you said he has a tremendous talent of putting uh, such a complex idea into two sentences, you know.
0: What I what I what I enjoy about this, what I enjoy about this fear, I had this conversation with. It's a conversation with multiple people, with my fiance actually, uh, yeah. with with Forrest, with Will Spencer. When we take a look at modernist literature, modernist being uh, nineteen, you know, t- uh, November eleventh, nineteen eighteen onward,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, up until really when the post. No one can give you a straight answer on when postmodernism started. A lot of people t- tend to say it started with the uh, it eighties. Just before in. <laughs> yeah, well. Might have started to permeate through the culture then, but yeah, the the theory was before then. I mean, so when we take a look at modernism and postmodernism, we're seeing postmodernism is ending. It's very interesting to me because when we take a look at the fruits of modernism, we take a look at the fruits of postmodernism, they go away very quickly. Uh, I explained on the Renaissance Men podcast how. The reason why modernist literature rejected formal syntax is because the trauma of World War One was very much in the psyche of mankind. So therefore it was easier to accept. And what I mean by formal syntax, for all you listeners, if you read a, a novel, let's say you read a fictional novel, let's say you're reading something along the hero's journey, just for argument's sake. And even if isn't even if it isn't within the hero's journey, the formal syntax looks something like this: Introduction. Uh, establishing maybe some world building after the introduction. Then you have sort of a rise. You have a rise in the content. You have a call to action. You have the beginning of the first act of the story. Then there's a lead up to a climax. You know, so somewhere in the second act of the story is the climax. It's typically, the climax will be the end of the second act of the story. And you have what's called the denouement coming down from the climax, sort of the aftermath and the conclusion. Now... You'll see that in Romantic literature. You'll see that in Victorian literature. You'll see that in Transcendental literature. You'll see it. Um, you'll see it in the Greek myths as well. You'll see this sort of uh, cyclical resolve. But What's fascinating to me about modernism is they said, and that this is in relation to war. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying this to preface. I don't want to be echoing too much of what I said on another podcast. But I think this is abundantly important for our psyche, and this is abundantly important with the, with in which the way we go about creating content and understanding that's where we're at right now um world war one was the antithesis of what everyone believed to be war war in europe happened every pretty much every year and it was a skirmish for glory a skirmish for a bit of land a skirmish for some bragging rights a skirmish over a trade route, so whether that be the Swedes and the Danes, or the Prussians and the Austrians, or the French and the Spanish, it didn't matter. There were these small wars, and it was considered glorious to go to war. Um, and some people died, and some people lived, but it wasn't so catastrophic that the winner was left with post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, cue up World War One. You have traditional tactics. With modern warfare, and modern warfare completely rips through traditional tactics, although so they didn't figure it out for the entirety of the conflict, at least in the Western Front. So they, what that looked like was constant charges of about 30 miles that would be stopped, and then it would be a stalemate, and then the other side would do 30 miles of charging. And you just saw eternal suffering of mustard gas, of tanks, of, of airplanes, all these modern pieces of weaponry that completely ripped apart any conceptions that we had of war and it involved the entire world and at the end of it what did you have empires were completely gone with the exception of the british empire and the french empire the french really not being an empire they being a pseudo republic and then you saw the rise of communism and you start to take a look at the aftermath of everything and it's it's left everyone reeling europe has not recovered when you go to Europe, we, we, from an American standpoint, the big war for us is World War II because we were the good guys. You know, we came at the eleventh hour. You know, we were dragged into it by the Japanese. Yeah, save the day. Uh, and, yeah, and Pearl Harbor is like, okay, you know what? We'll go help with the war in Europe, and we're going to save the day, and we're going to help put some pressure on the Eastern Front so the Germans can't be keep pressing into the Russian steps. It's like it's okay, fine. We know that there is some some darker elements to so that we knew. We later found out that FDR knew that Pearl Harbor was going to happen, let it happen. So there's a lot, there's more foul play involved than people realize, but that that's the American, that's the, the war most important in terms of American history, because it launched the United States into being the premier world power, um, you know, post 1945. But when you look at the memorials, you go to a city, pick, pick any city in Western, even Eastern Europe, whether this be Warsaw, Brussels, Paris, Pick it. The war memorial nine times out of ten is World War One, and you ask why, because Europe has not been the same since. Europe has not recovered from World War I, and the literature written by Americans, believe it or not, the Americans who congregated in Paris, Fitzgerald, Gertrude Stein, Ernest Hemingway, and even it showed up in some visual art as well of these people in the circle, it was this disruption of syntax. You don't get a climax. You may you, you may not even start. You may you may start and get shot, you know, in the trenches and that's it. Oh you, you may you may get blinded from mustard gas. That's it. It's a wrap. So you saw this formal syntax be completely disrupted. You saw stories end abruptly. Because you know, life is so bleak you may not even get that full cycle.
1: It's such and a exciting way of looking at it, yeah.
0: It, it, it's it, our, our psyche truly has not recovered from it. Now, that being said, the fruits of that was some of the greatest literature ever written. Gatsby, The Sun Also Rises, so on and so forth. And I highlight those two in relation to you and real Greek broad, and I'll sort of try to bring this towards postmodernism, the sort of restoration of the age of heroes that you, myself, Wolf Spencer, everyone is soaring to notice. Um, but... You take a look at the fruits of modernism, it, 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 it dried up pretty quickly. And now, if you see in the English-speaking world creators, you have the Fitzgerald types, the people who, you, like yourself and like myself, who use a thousand words, who so will try to paint this mosaic with words, so we will do the roundabout. You see people <laughs> like Real Greek Bra, yeah. or um, the fantastic Russian strength coach, uh, Pavel Satsulin, who also has a talent of taking very complex... Man oh he's amazing he's amazing he, he has these complex concepts and he's like putting them in in such words you're going to do one-third to two-thirds of the reps that you could do. like this is very it's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so what i i think would be abundantly beneficial for all of us is to master the method that we're less accustomed to so you and i mastering the hemingway method people like real public and mastering, elaborating a bit more, painting a mosaic with their words a bit more. Now, when we take a look at the fruits of postmodernism, we look at the 80s. Economically, things were phenomenal for the Western world. But that led to hedonism, and that led to this sort of downfall into where we are right now, about at the breaking point where we say we can't keep going this way. Something has to give, and something certainly is giving, both through our deliberate decision-making and through forces that are not of our own accord
1: yeah i definitely agree with, with that
0: yeah but sorry keep going, keep going. i was i was just gonna lead into you saying you have a very centralized understanding of that you have like you, you're hitting you're hitting all of the markers now what i think would be beneficial for the audience is highlighting some of the issue like that issues highlighting some of the areas that most of the sphere seems to not be as well accustomed with as you are. And in particular, this sort of true, we, we see some people in the sphere speak of manifestation for financial gain and fostering a better life, but you seem to be very helping on a manifestation for the greater good, which I find incredible. I, I think you're the only person re- really I appreciate person, just that. the true art of, of course. It's, it's, it's my pleasure to say it. It's my pleasure to know you uh, for that and for, for many other many other reasons um, now w- will will Spencer speaks of this Renaissance event and he's doing the work and sort of centralizing all the people to get man together and to even get women together to have this this brighter future for for both for both genders but in terms of the realm of manifestation the pieces that you seem to... Know better than most are the guidance of the subconscious for the greater good. And as I've most recently found out in Zenobia's latest podcast, episode 16, regarding magic and how we seem to either, as a society right now, we only have the modern route of sort of saying, oh, it doesn't really exist, or a very commercialized, sanitized, just plastic form of it. So could you speak on a bit more on manifestation and how and, and magic and how these are some of the missing pieces that it actually honestly coexists with with Christians with this logos of Christianity because God has created everything and it's really the twisting of all of God's creation that makes things corrupt but the actual elements themselves without the twisting are still of God so I know that is <laughs> probably the most roundabout <laughs> thing I've ever said yeah, um, I but it. I've okay I'm, I'm, glad. I'm glad i'm glad it didn't sort of go off the rails but um I, I i i found that to be the sort of appropriate way of painting the picture because you're someone who is centralizing so we need to set, sort of get all the elements involved make awareness of that and then sort of mm. highlight the elements that your your expertise are, are surpa- have clearly surpassed everyone else if some people haven't started so i'm curious uh, your thoughts on the application of
1: well to start with like you kind of talked about how the world's never been the same, Um, you know, and it's under, it's undergone massive changes for the last hundred or so years. And one of those primary changes is it went from a, I won't say this like a really tacky way, but it went from a we society to a me society. And, you know, people sacrifice now they sacrifice the greater good for their own benefit. And, and that's uh, something you can get away with for a little while but eventually it will always come back to bite you. Um, and it's certainly coming back to bite society right now. Like what we've done for the last 50, 60, 70 years, um, you know, this whole boomer idea of, oh, well, we'll be dead when when these things really take effect is starting to bite us now. Um, and so, so just take that in mind for one, just keep that in mind for starters. Um, and, you know, you look as well at, like you mentioned God and Logos and how the purpose of our life is to come as close to Logos as we possibly can. Um, It's, you know, it's like reaching enlightenment except replace enlightenment with Logos. It's a very similar thing. Um, And, and, you know, that's our our purpose in life. And, um, and, you know, to look at, uh, well, if that's your purpose in life, then, then what is sinful? Well, well, To be sinful or to act out of sin is to misuse something Um, whether deliberately or, or not it's something that takes you a step back from the logos so the idea is that god put things on the earth for a reason and you know came up with concepts like sex and stuff like that which were supposed to be used for a purpose and when we don't use them for their purpose we take one step further away from logos or heaven and one step closer to hell. So then when you look at something like magic, magic is very exciting when people get into it. Um, you talk to a lot of a lot of people who actually do understand the occult quite well, and a lot of their first thoughts are, oh, man, I'm going to use this to make me so much money, you know? I'm going to use all these secrets. I'm going to understand the universe. I'm going to manipulate people. I'm going to bend reality to my will, and I'm going to make me a lot of money, you know? And, you know, that's, that's a lot of people's first um, first thing they think of, mine as well. You know, I'm um, you know, not afraid to admit that that's, that was the first thing that popped into my head when I heard about, you know, chaos magic and stuff. Um, but you've got to look at these things as for what they're supposed to be used for, right? So um, chaos magic, for example, I talk in that podcast about sigils. And how you can use sigils to um, more or less alter the subconscious mind, which seems to, by some, one way or another, it seems to um, change the world around us. We don't know how, but it it seems to be the case. And I I go a bit deeper into that on my podcast about it. Um, Before you
0: go on, could you describe what a sigil is?
1: Yeah, so... So a sigil is where it's it was a practice invent invented in i think the 1800s by austin osmond spare and it's basically where you write out like a sentence of something you want to happen or something that uh you know yeah something desirable like uh if you want a lot of money which is probably the first thing people go to be like I am extremely wealthy, for example, um, extremely rich, or, you know, um, maybe you've got depression or something. Maybe, actually, maybe that's a bad example. So we'll stick with the money one. Um, you know, I'm extremely rich. Uh, I get a, a promotion of my work. My business succeeds beyond my wildest dreams. And what you do is you write out that sentence, um, you cross out all the vowels and then you cross out every repeating letter so say your sentence has a few like three t's in it you leave the first one but then you cross out the other t's um and then what you do is you take the letters that haven't been crossed out you take the letters by themselves and then you make a picture out of right so you know you might put your t upside down and you put your s over the t and you put. Um, a P like on the side of the T and you like blend it in, you, you make a picture out of it. It doesn't have to look like art. It just kind of looks like a symbol. And if you're listening and you're still a bit confused, just Google sigil and you'll, you'll see an example. It's quite clear. Um, and so the first thing people do when they learn about sigils is, you know, sigil for things like money and stuff. And I think that's fine. Like we all got to work for money. You know, we all, we all need money. We live in a capitalist uh, society money's important right we got to pay our bills we got people to look after but i just think a lot of people get very greedy and you see this with affirmations as well which i talk about a bit in that podcast and i kind of say how like yeah affirmations work but like mostly they're pretty crap um you kind of look at like what are all the most common affirmations like the number one one which you see a lot and um you know people in this sphere promote this one as well um i won't like name anyone by name not having gold. at anyone but like you just you see this one a lot is that everything I touch turns to gold and it's like but like why do you want to make money off everything like why should money be the final the end of things like if I find a, a a beautiful kind of piece of culture like if I go to a cathedral and like sit in a latin mass like I'm not thinking about money there and the, and the spiritual like you know this from your your orthodox journeys, like, um, you know, doing that, uh, what's that name of that Easter thing you guys do? Um, yeah, like that's the, the spiritual fulfillment and what that, that gives to you is, is greater than any amount of cash, you know? Um, God, absolutely. Yeah. And and so what it is, it's, I'm not trying to, you know, um, shit all over money so to speak um but the idea like because it's important right but the idea is that when people find affirmations visualizations sigils things like this the first thing they want to do is just like oh what can i do for me 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 you know people do affirmations and they um, or visualizations, sorry and they visualize themselves in some like epic you know massive house with waterfront views and tennis court and everything it's like yeah good you know like if i had the money to buy a place like that i would but like i wouldn't you rather like ultimately the end of the day all you're doing with that and all you're doing with things and possessions is finding a way to make yourself feel better inside right and um and this is going to sound a little bit buddhist here but it's like well why don't you make yourself feel better inside without having to do all this extra external stuff you know um and you know there are limitations to that belief but i think it's appropriate in this situation where it's you know at the end of the day you want that beautiful you know um property on a cliff face in like you know some greek island or something where you can watch the sun rise on one side and watch the sun set on the other side every day over this you know beautiful blue sparkling ocean like That would be awesome. We all want that. But at the end of the day, you're only doing that to give yourself some kind of inner satisfaction and some kind of inner peace. And that can be achieved spiritually. And the way I like to think about it, when you kind of say, you know, ordering magic and magical systems um, for the greater good, here's a question I want to propose to you. And this is quite a simple question. This isn't some really deep thought experiment or anything, but would you rather make a million dollars a year in a hellhole of a society, or 75 grand a year in a amazing, fantastic, wonderful society where you know all your neighbors, you know, the streets are clean, there's no crime, the schools are good, you know, people value spirituality, you have common uh, beliefs and values, you know, you get on with everyone, or would you rather make a million bucks a year in, you know, like some place where there's a lot of crime, you don't know anyone, no one trusts anybody, schools are terrible, you know, the, the workplaces suck, like the people horrible, everyone's depressed, you turn on the TV and all you see is just like, you know, junk like you see now. And it's like, well, which one would you rather? And, you know, I got it's like, I would, I'd take the 75k any day of the week, right? I um, think we all would. And just as a Pretext that seventy five thousand Australian bucks a year actually isn't as much as it sounds. Our currency is not worth nearly as much as a US dollar. If you're listening, um, but yeah, it's like well, I'd rather live like that. And and what's that telling you? Well, that's telling you that really you you do value the the spiritual fulfillment over any physical or monetary riches, and. So that should be your primary goal, right? That's got to be the number one goal. And so that's why I say when you look at magical systems, and I I view Catholicism and probably orthodoxy as well as a a magical system. Um, Catholicism has a lot of magic in it, you know, praying to the saints and the rosary and things like that. That's all, you know, a form of magic. Um, And when when I look at a system like that, I want that magical system to inspire me to be good and, you know, inspire me so that I can... um, you know, have the spiritual strength and guidance to achieve logos. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you live in logos, everything is taken care of. Like I've had, um, you know, parts of my life recently where I've been very, very in tune with logos, and I've, you know, lived through as little sin as I possibly could. And you know, we can always get stronger, and, and it's it's quite unsustainable because I'm, you know, I'm weak. I'm, you know, I'm not Jesus. I can't I can't be perfect. But when you are in that and you realize that's how life is supposed to be lived and and you're valuing spirit first, um, you almost don't want money. Like you have no desire to work. And and obviously, yes, preface, like, yes, you know, we still got to pay rent and stuff, right? Like, of course. But um, you find that wanting extra stuff, you know, wanting these big houses and cars and things, they, it just doesn't do anything for you because ultimately... Buying anything more than what you necessarily need, and again, this is going to be hypocritical because we're all guilty of this, myself included, but buying anything more than just what you need is ultimately just filling a void. That's what it is. Um, And so, you know, I say to people who want to use magic and stuff, like, you know, the whole everything I touch turns to gold affirmation. Well, that's all well and good. What is
0: gold if everything is gold?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, like big deal, you know, like... Uh, some of the most depressed people in the world are the richest people in the world. And, and what I would use ma- magic for is first and foremost spiritual fulfillment, understanding your place in the world, understanding logos, getting guidance from the saints and from holy figures like Mary, Jesus, you know, Saint Michael, the archangel, um, Saint Matthew, uh, a lot of these kinds of saints, getting that guidance from them and having them fill that spiritual void in you because that that spiritual void is so deep and it will never be filled by physical things and once you've got that in line then yeah sure you know like there's nothing wrong with making a bit of cash like there's nothing wrong with making money um but as long as you don't compromise the good of society and you're not compromising the logos um say you know running a strip club for example is compromising the logos that is not something that is you know that's that's do i say that that's not logos right that's not the greatest good being a personal trainer it's not directly the greatest good like it's not the highest thing that you need to aim for but it's not in uh conflict with the highest good it's you know it, it they the two can coexist um so yeah that's kind of what i'd say i'd say you know if you want to make money do it properly do it the right way but always take care of your spiritual fulfillment first because if you're finding yourself wanting heaps and heaps and heaps of stuff like oh, I want all these houses everywhere it probably means you're very spiritually unfulfilled so there's my answer <laughs> again long-winded Wow. i don't know so, you <laughs> did i answer okay. your qu- I hope i th- think i answered you qu- <laughs> I just, I tend to start monologuing and then, yeah. (laughs) You you
0: certainly answered my question. The reason why I went on a monologue preface was so that you would go on a monologue. Okay. Um, I I was was speaking again with Will Spencer, him and I speaking quietly. And I said, there seems to be a moment in every single (laughs) podcast that I have a guest where I go, wow. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And just take a pause. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with doing I, this over Zoom is I couldn't appreciate the pause, I was like, "Oh, did he drop out or something?" <laughs> so, <yeah>. <laughs> 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 so, I kind of ruined that. But yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, so I, I'm I'm consistently
0: amazed by my guests. Um, yeah, every single one I had a moment like that. Gallantry <laughs> fuel, Evil Academy, Nature Chad, Nature Pilled, Forest Mundan people of the fields Joe Abra now you
1: yeah well I'm glad I can join the club
0: <laughs> and, and to be honest I don't think of any guests I select I'm not I'm, <laughs> I don't think of any of the guests I select there's going to be a guest where I'm like oh well didn't get that wow moment well there it is then I, I sincerely doubt that honestly
1: yeah everyone brings something to the table I suppose
0: people should fascinate you if they don't there's something wrong with your way of thinking honestly yeah, yeah. um that is a very tangible way of healing the world and bringing it out of dark ages and you spoke on the yuga cycle you spoke on multiple cyclical things of that nature and you know i think maybe sometimes a disconnect for christians with let's let's say the abrahamic religions with the non-abrahamic religions you have this 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 conflict of linear and cyclical, um, <laughs> you know, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, we all have this form of end times, so, you know, Christianity, it's revelation, I, I'm i am not an expert on Islam, so bear with me, listeners, <laughs> um, but I believe it's the, the 12th, either the 12th or the 13th Imam that is sort of their, again, their final Messiah figure, obviously um, Judaism, they believe that the Messiah has not yet come. Um, yeah. So they have, like, this this sort of sequence of end times that triggers. What I find interesting is there are parallels between many of these Abrahamic end times, you know, phases, for lack of a better term, that match the description of some of the events in periods of cyclical nature. So whether that be uh, Ragnarok, in the Norse the pagan pantheon, um, that seems to be growing more and more prevalent in our sphere. Um, as you just spoke about the yuga cycles in, in your podcast recently. That might be the biggest question we have to solve. I had, a, I had a training partner of mine who was, for the most part, Taoist. But he studied many religions and says, you know... Out of all of them, only Christ made the ultimate sacrifice. I'm like, wow! I've never heard that from a non-Christian before. Um, y- usually, you have some some sp- specifically evangelical pastor. It always brings back to that 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 ultimate sacrifice, that Logos. I don't think anyone has. I mean, there there have been many prophets and many religious figures that have just shared an in- incredible amount of wisdom pointing towards Logos, but. If if Christ was who He said He was, and I do believe that to be so, then He really would be the Logos. How that relates to where we're at in time right now mm-hmm. is very interesting to me. Yeah, because like always, like every year, there is some Christian saying we are in end times right now, and at this date yeah. it is going to get real. And it's said every time it's it's yeah. it doesn't happen, and and and. And honestly, without getting too controversial, um, because I am a a follower of Christ, um, but there's a reason why Leo Tolstoy went sort of religious radical away from even the Orthodox Church, which... Is considered by many, including myself, in terms of organized churches, to be the closest to the origin of Christ because there's been no Reformation, there's been no papal figure, there's been no Inquisition in the name of the faith. So that's a very good place to start. Yeah. But he, but but Leo Tolstoy saw these controls. There's there's a there's a practice in Orthodoxy. I'm, I'm, I'm getting very controversial on this one, but so be it. Yeah, um, when um. And, and th- this is sort of the, this is one of the things that evangelicals, this is like a chain that evangelicals yank on orthodoxy. When you receive a blessing from a priest, you kiss it, you kneel and you kiss his ring. I was like, I viscerally have been majorly against this. Not because, you know, like I, I stepped down to no man. I'm like, well, if okay, you think about what you're representing. And, and they tried explaining to me, oh, it's res- Arthur, it's, it's respect for the position. Well, I can respect your position without kissing the ring. And honestly, if Christ was who he said he was, this is the man who washed the feet of his followers
1: mm, mm.
0: He, he regularly said i am god yeah he, reg- he regularly said that but while being this patriot by being this logos patriarch manifested in our three-dimensional world it was still about service it was about saving being a savior is is being a, is a service and, and, and never once do you have this sort of, form of a equivalent of, of man, someone who's very clearly just man, asking to kiss the ring. So then that circles to the compilation of the Bible, and this is where Orthodoxy seems to have the biggest disconnect from all other Christian faiths. The Divine Liturgy has been practiced, which is the liturgy, that the, the Mass, every Sunday since the time of Christ. It was written by St. Mark. So that predates the Bible. And a lot of evangelicals very aggressively hold on to the Bible. And listeners, before I go on, I am not saying this to unnerve anybody. I am not saying this to shake up your foundation because I believe Our journey up the mountain towards Logos has many different paths. So I don't want anyone listening to what I'm about to say sort of completely throw out their foundations. Because I think that ultimately, unless you truly feel called to and feel the need to explore further, I think ultimately that's the turn for the worse. So it's a bit of a charged statement. The compilation of the Bible is still very suspect the one continuous church in the world the, the longest standing church in the world is the ethiopian orthodox church the ethiopian orthodox church is the one church in the world that recognizes the book of enoch as a biblical canon and
1: yeah we got sort of, to the book of enoch last time this is this is good stuff
0: yeah it's 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 fascinating it, it really is fa- and right when i got to the orthodox church that like i didn't i, did, I was i didn't hear about the book of enoch Within this orthodox church just, i just i honestly don't remember when i heard about it but almost immediately after joining the orthodox church now now four years ago i found out about the book of you know like, i need to know i need to know like why isn't it canon and they're like oh it's not the the, the the phrase was it was not biblically it's not known to be inspired well who does who determines whether or not it's inspired so, so you're telling me the churches that have ruptures in their history due to the rise of extreme militarized islam you know the the caliphate um, that they, they expanded. I believe at the time it was the Umayyad. At one point it was the Umayyad caliphate. Another time it was the Abbasid caliphate that was sort of disrupting the the dominion of Christianity in, in the area. So you tell me the one church that never had such an event of rupture is the one church saying that the biblical canon. Like is no one finding this pattern interesting? Then mm-hmm. you look at the Book of Enoch describing the fall of the fallen angels and. Why were they, why were they cast out by God? Because, well, sure they they mated with the people of the earth. That was that was strictly forbidden. The other thing that they did was they showed mankind practices that not were heresy, but that they were not ready for yet. Those included astrology. Those included numerology, magic, all the things that they, all these these things that you have seemed to correctly apply to logos which most people cannot they think it's a separate thing like, oh you're christian but well, what about this and the christian yeah. like, i don't know what that is so it's probably yeah. heresy and obviously that's not true that's it's not the, true. that's
1: the distinction people fail to draw yeah keep going yeah
0: so where, where am i going with this really There's a possibility that revelations could be a a seize of power, like an attempt at seizing power over something that isn't final, something that is cyclical in nature. Do I believe that to be so? I have absolutely no idea. In terms of revelation, in terms of end times, in terms of heaven on earth and then things get a little interesting, If I were to believe in my gut to be true, that to be true, I would say yes. I do believe Revelations to be true. I'm I'm playing both sides here for a reason. Do I believe that the way Revelations was told and has been translated? Because I I can highlight a bunch of mistranslations made by men today, let alone been lost in translation through councils and war and, and disconnects in communication. Do I think that Revelation, as told to us, in the, in, in the Bible today is exactly what it is? No. No, I don't. And I did not expect this conversation to go there.
1: <laughs> no, it's, but, that's... Yeah, you gotta go with it sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: But. Well, let's... Let's look at, like, the cyclical nature of time. So... Again, this would be one of those things you kind of talked about, where people immediately jump on and say, "Well, Christianity doesn't really talk about this, so it must be heresy." And to me, that seems illogical because there are both, you know, secular ways of thinking about this, and um, the most famous way is the Hindu way of thinking about this, which is the Yuga cycle. Um, and so you've got the different phases of the Yuga cycle: the Iron, Age, the Gold Age, the Stone, sorry, the Gold Age, the Silver Age, the bronze age and the iron age and then it cycles back up to the gold age again and um secular people as well have identified these these cyclical natures of times like you might know the book the fourth turning it's a political book um and it it talks about cycles in the same way it actually talks about american um political cycles and how they follow this same kind of cyclical nature of time and I think, you know, Christianity actually does talk about the cyclical nature of time because like you said, you know, you know, Christ coming back um, the first time is a golden age, right? It's where humanity receives the logos. But then it also talks in the book of Re- Revelation about a time. I, I'm The book of Revelation is one I actually haven't read yet, but, um, you know, it talks about how people will ignore the word of God and there'll be all this terrible stuff going on and then, you know, it'll be all this darkness and all this terrible stuff will happen well that sounds like a dark age doesn't it so Mm -hmm. i think christianity well doesn't spell out the cyclical nature of time it does you know refer to it um so i don't think it's heretical at all heresy at all um and and so the way i kind of um the way I kind of like to look at time is in that is in that cyclical nature, and I think that's really important. And I think at the top of the yuga cycle, uh, the golden age, the very top of the cycle, is when people are most Christ-like, and at the bottom of the yuga cycle is when they're least Christ-like. You know, they're they're governed by feeling and animalistic temptation, and sin is promoted and virtue is laughed at. That that's a dark age, and then you know, the top of the ages where you're you're acting out the logos. Um, And look around at society today, I'll let you decide which age we are currently in. Um, And you talk a lot about like, uh, you know, a lot of like, there's always going to be some evangelical in America who's like, who knows for certain that this year is the end times. And you heard a lot of that last year with all the, with all the goings on and, firstly i i think these people just need a self-awareness check i mean world war one wasn't the end times so like some chaos surrounding the u.s election certainly isn't going to be the end times like have some perspective here um absolutely yeah And, and 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 this is the problem i kind of see with with this and they often take away the bigger picture of things and that's why i'm not you know the bible is the most important part of christianity i think but sola scriptura is i don't think it's correct i think you do need more than just the bible that's printed today protestants aren't going to like that but i just can't if i'm being intellectually honest with myself i can't get away from that i think you need to understand the church fathers and stuff and and you know the bible is of supreme importance to understanding christianity you know but there is that little bit extra you need and things like the book of enoch are very interesting because it talks about like you said they brought the angels brought people knowledge they weren't ready for and that reminds me of because we all obviously we know lucifer is a fallen angel um so that reminds me of the concept of light luciferianism enlightenment illuminati illuminate versus dark luciferianism satanism right um and the way you can kind of look at this is if you look at light um luciferianism it's kind of the well i guess yes i'm eating from the tree of good and evil like i'm eating the apple but i'm doing it for a good cause you know i'm doing i'm learning astrology so i can work out you know uh why my you know, partner or something isn't feeling good at a particular point. Oh, you know, this is in the sixth house and that's affecting your health. You know, you've got Saturn in the sixth house right now. That's affecting your health. Okay, that makes some sense. Let's let's work around that, right? That's the kind of, that's an example of light Luciferianism. You know, tarot, it's like, oh, well, when's the best time to have a baby? Like, oh, well, that might be astrology as well. But like, um, you know, things like this, right? You might be blessing your house with certain spiritual practices to keep, you know, evil spirits away from it. Things like that, right? That's an example, I think, of light luciferianism. That's that's using this kind of fallen angel technology uh, for good. Um, and that is the kind of practice that would be much more common in a golden age. Um, when you're at the top of the Yuga cycle, people use this kind of knowledge that is tough for a lot of humans to grasp. And yeah, probably a lot of humans still aren't ready for it to this day. But then you get to the bottom of the yuga cycle and that's where you get your dark luciferianism that's where you get your proper satanism and this is where people right. curse each other they use these things to curse each other they use sigils for only personal benefit you know they use astrology to work out when their enemy might be weakest um they use you know all this kind of thing um sacrifices let's not get into that um all these kinds of things you know contacting making Selling your soul, making kinds of deals for things to happen in the material world—that um, you know.
0: these are Before, we, like you we said, we're not going to get into details into going on go now. No, certainly things. But if you just take a quick look, you can realize a problem like today, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, let's let's keep this um, friendly. Um, but yeah, you can look <laughs> further into that if you would like to. Um, uh, and 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 that's when you use all these these powers for, or powers, well, this 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 hidden knowledge for bad or for personal gain. But you find people don't use it just, I should have sort of prefaced this, but you find people don't use this stuff for, for evil as much as they do personal gain. Well, what does that tell you about the nature of personal gain? You know, the more you put yourself first, the more you're putting others second. Um, it is quite hard actually to put both yourself first and others first at the same time. It can be done. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you need to kind of do stuff for other people, and like that's like what I was talking about. So when you apply that cyclical nature of time to how we use something like magic, um, you'll see that at the top in the golden ages, we kind of, hey, this is this is some esoteric stuff that maybe a lot of people in history, and you know the early days of the church, even didn't want people to know, but it can be used for good. Um, And if you're in a dark age, well, it certainly can be used for bad. And I think they understood this. And I think, you know, if I'm going to put the most kind of um, try to be fair to their side as best I can, maybe they just wanted to forbid it all entirely because they knew that even though people would use it for good, there would be too many people that would use it for bad. And
0: I I I would have to agree with it, given the benefit of that, that they made a judgment call that was probably for the best.
1: Yeah. And...
0: It's, it's like being a parent. Like, are you going to – there are some judgment calls you're going you're gonna to educate. I mean, I, I, I like using the, the, the analogy of guns. Like, if you, if you give a kid a gun, you show him respect for it, you, you, you explain to him, you know, how important it is to have respect for it, what it's capable of, then they're not going to be so fearful around it. And that, that, that's going to be something that you can teach them. And there's some other things, like, can you teach a five-year-old about the bird and the beast? Oh.
1: No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, it's a not. time and a place. yeah. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, and, and, and that's kind of, you know, what it's about. And so that's why I think it's a bit of a shame that, you know, a God-fearing, Christ-loving Christian views a lot of these things as heresy because they're the kinds of people that would use this stuff for good, you know? Exactly. And it's like... <laughs> I want you to know this stuff because you're going to use it. I don't want some selfish New Age LARPing Satanist to have this stuff because they're going to use it for personal gain. So it's like, why would you cut yourself off from this? You see what I'm saying? Like, I want the God-fearing Christians to understand astrology and tarot and sigils because I know they're going to use it for good, right? Um, And so I guess, you know, I want to reclaim magic from you know darker cultists because at the moment uh, it's not always the case it's not always the case but a lot of people using magic today are using it for purely selfish reasons and that doesn't always result in you know mass harm of other people but it, it can and it it does and so, yeah, I definitely agree with your sense. I want every Christian reading the book of Enoch. I want every Christian understanding. I want every Christian learning astrology because ultimately at the end of the day, if God put the damn planets in the solar system, he put them there for a reason. And if there is, you know, an art of astrology, well, that's his creation too. Like, a, that is that, that's a controversial thing to say, but it's entirely logical, you know? Like You know, that's that, that
0: hits the nail on the head. Not, 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 not to cut you off, but there's No you're good. I was struggling <laughs> to finish that. <laughs> <video. Yeah. laughs> there's there's a there's a, a prayer that we have in the Orthodox every morning that I love. Uh remember we must remember that all are sent by you. That's a hell of a thing to to to, to 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 sort of orient yourself on. If God is omnipotent, all-seeing, all-knowing, if he is the grand constant that always was and always will be, then everything in creation, including Lucifer, is of him. It's the twisting. It's the twisting towards ruin. It's the twisting towards destruction, towards darkness, towards selfishness, towards this bottom pit. this It's not the opposite of heaven because nothing is greater than heaven. I think it's greater than the Logos, but it's like this attempt at being a counterpart, this false opponent that will always lose in the end. It's the twisting of these things that is wrong, but the things themselves, the essence themselves, no. No.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, you know, again, like um, we talked about sigils earlier and the link between the subconscious mind and the manifestations you see in reality we might not understand that link, but if that link is there, it was created by God, you know? Um, and, you know, there's a lot of Gnostics and such believe that Jesus was actually trying to hint at these things to people. I'm not really sure by that, um, but it's important to remember that Lucifer means light bringer, right? Um, the ultimate
0: deception artist.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in his, bad form it's it's the wrong thing to do but you know if you look at like the fallen angels that brought technology to humans that they weren't ready for maybe you know it can be it's one of those things where it puts the the free will in your hand and you're going to have to choose like do i want to use this for good or for um to benefit myself and that's a tough one to sit with because you know we can all become very corrupted you know we could all do horrible things that would enrich our life and i I think this is something like Jordan Peterson tries to get at quite a bit. Uh, the idea that, hey, like men are, men are dangerous. Like we could all go off the dark, you know, walk down the left-hand path and do some dark things. And, and we'd become rich and we'd become powerful and stuff, but we don't do it because it's wrong. Right. And we've got to be grounded in that sense of logos. Like the love of money being the root of all evil doesn't mean you can't make money, you know, but it just does mean, you know, be careful because if you put the need for money first, then you're going to put other things, more important things second. And when you put those more important things second, that's when that's when humanity runs into to problems. And so I would say when it comes to magic, you know, use it for good, use it for light, you know. Um, and that that that's what we were talking about um, quite a bit earlier when we were discussing this, you know, about using magic the, the right way, you know, Um And not trying to you know descend the world into more darkness for your own personal gain because at the end of the day you might gain temporarily but in the long run you will lose you will lose out in the long run
0: absolutely i i you know to use astrology seems to be one that's ripped on most like it's a sort of rich white girl well because yeah (laughs) because
1: idiots that don't know how to use it like just Lop and make it all up as they go, and
0: yeah, but yes, yeah, and they'll blame like, oh, sorry, I'm such a Taurus, like, oh, yeah, sorry, I mean, that's just Pisces, not... like, no, you just did something stupid, stop, yeah, yeah. But you know, I didn't, I, I was always on the fence about that, so my my son signed Leo, mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: and the whole, whole, like, they like, I feel like comfortable talking about this, but whatever, okay, fine, um. They, they, so Leos are leaders. They enjoy spotlights. Enjoy cultivating massive amounts of strength um, <laughs> and being at the forefront. Um, you can see how that can be corrupted pretty easily. Yes. Um, and you know, my like so circling this to being an actor, right? I found that my greatest strides as an actor was when I when I detached from myself when I wasn't so me, 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 me. But I did begin to see sort of toxic elements of, like, trying to put my career first and foremost. Like, there, there was a stretch of time drama school work. He would have heard my inner thoughts, like, is this guy for real? Um, and part of the, I, I've, I've been on the record, uh, I believe on Evil Academy's podcast, and other times, like ripping, like ripping on American Psycho, and the fact that, like, why are we, uh, <laughs> why are we making American Psycho an archetype of the sphere? He should be anything but. I'm like, oh, but yeah, it's a cautionary tale. I'm like, well, you're not fostering the cautionary tale of American Psycho. You're fostering the iconic scenes. You're fostering the the Valentino suits and the just like psychotic nature in between his eyes.
1: Yeah. I got a bone to pick with Arnold Schwarzenegger as well, but we can get into that after. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Arnold, uh, Arnold, LeBron, American psycho, Don Draper, all of these guys.
1: Uh, Arnold, you mean the guy who was governor of California and a Hollywood actor? Oh yeah. I'm sure he was a real good guy behind the scenes. Oh yeah. Who had affairs as well. Yeah. Yeah. Real great guy.
0: Great great husband, great
1: father. Um,
0: that, that that one always seems to drive me nuts too. And also, his he was a raw food guy, and now he's sort of is advocating for the soy boy nonsense. So he's been subverted, yeah. and you guys can't even see it. Guys, come on! So tomorrow. obvious. <laughs> but, it's but before, so I, I'm I'm going down this. this, this, this I <laughs> went down that little little pocket because of, <laughs> as it's been it's been needed to be said. But in terms of, I had watched American Psycho, and. Some of these sort of, like, ideals, they're not even ideals, some of these sort of <laughs> twisted beliefs of his were engulfing my mind as an actor at one point. What if I had mm-hmm. a two-month stretch when I was in a pretty dark place?
1: Yeah, well, that's the shadow, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And so, like, being, being a Leo, for instance, like, I realize that, like, the best Leos are the ones who are using that spotlight to help foster other people. Who are in their leaders? They're doing it to bring other people up. Like one of one of the ones that you know, in a lot of sort of astrological circles, they like to highlight is uh, I don't know how familiar you are with basketball, but Magic Johnson. Um, yeah, a little. yeah. Yeah. So Magic Johnson. Okay. Just to up a quick little sports ball reference, guys. Okay. Um. It's for all you international guys in basketball. There's a there's a player called the point guard, and he sort of orchestrates the offense. If you uh, to Compare it to, you know, regular actual using your foot football. It'd be the closest thing to a number 10, you know, a playmaker. And the guy was 6'9", very good looking, and it was absurdly athletic, amazing play style. And while he was a superstar, he was always busy trying to prop everybody else up. He was trying to prop up James Worthy. He was trying to pop up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So when I realized that, when I realized that's a pretty way to go about things, I was much happier. I'm much, much happier, like, Trying to put forth concepts and put forth others. I actually feel f- fucking awful when I'm trying to promote myself. Like promoting myself is like the last thing I want to do.
1: Yeah, it feels weird.
0: Yeah, it's like, you're, you're, you're selling a product, but it's you. Like, okay, I get you. You can do it in such a way you can be confident and radiate. And say this is why I am. Be very calm about that. Be very grounded about that. Be very sure and centered and real and shifted more towards logos but i this whole like sort of self-promotion thing i don't buy into it anymore honestly i don't i I don't see too many fruits of it and i see initial sort of benefits but i see this weird i I feel and i see it in other people this weird looming reality of saying like "Mm, this 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 can go wrong real fast yeah It's, it's 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 runs a similar parallel towards like what you're saying this initial, like temporarily, this financial personal gain—you know, sigil.
1: Just let so me interrupt you for a long sec. Long your run. mic is um quite like there's a lot of background noise. I don't know if it's wind or your finger or something, just, but yeah, just letting you know.
0: Yeah, right now is that all right?
1: Yeah, it's much better. Yeah. Awesome. But, Yeah. you okay, sorry. But
0: yeah, this this there's this weird looming sort of like things could go wrong. We're very much running parallel towards you using a sigil towards just personal gain financially temporarily to be fine but in the long run it's, it's adding to a straw man that it would be coming to collect on, on the world
1: yeah, and it's it's an accumulation of debts you know hey if you want a sigil to you know make a bit of money and, and use it to do some good and you know buy a house for your young family and stuff go for it you know all about that but at the end of the day like there are certain things you shouldn't be doing with magic and yeah and yeah you're right and it's like um i think a lot of that comes from idolizing very exoteric people like patrick bateman like the idea is i haven't actually seen the movie um i know a bit about it i've never bothered to watch it though but like i think from what i've heard the idea is that he is uh on the inside he's twisted and dark but on the outside he comes across as some really good looking like well-dressed corporate guy you know and it's like the it's like the difference between the two worlds and you look at someone like arnold schwarzenegger like yeah amazing physique big career and stuff but like ultimately who was he as a person like listen to what dorian yates says about arnold schwarzenegger like just go look up dorian talks about Arnold. you know (laughs) and it's like because he knows this stuff he knows he's not a con man but he knows he's not half the man he he appears to be Dorian Yates is Dorian Yates is the real deal. Um but like so you're, I you you you're like you're, you're saying everything I always
0: want to hear like Oh yeah yeah for <laughs> everything sure. that I say cuz I'm a, I'm a gigantic Dorian fan. Yeah. I I love every, the like guy. you said everything he stood for is just 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 amazing. Just yeah. amazing and if if you if you see sort of conventions you know with the, obviously him and Arnold are like the antithesis of each other. Mm um they don't they don't they don't jive well together at all And you'll see arnold like dorian's very silent and sure and then arnold will go over to like his tent like multiple times and try to like be buddy buddy it's like "Mm, interesting yeah
1: yeah and because dorian knows what's up but um but that's what yeah i don't like i mean we're all individuals you know we have a bit of a sphere but we're all individuals and um don't want to tell anyone whether they can and can't post, but I just want to, like, just think a bit when you're posting stuff about, like, Patrick Bateman or Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, there are probably other examples that aren't, like, that um, aren't popping into my mind right now, but just think about what they really represent, you know? Like, someone like Dorian Yates is so much more virtuous than Arnold. And when it comes to physique, the dude's physique was freaking insane as well. Like, it's not like Arnold blew him out of the water. I mean, Dorian's legs and traps like way better than Arnold's. Um, well, like
0: it's it's Arnold was <laughs> we're getting into like the finer details of bodybuilding. Yeah, Guys, Arnold Arnold was hard carried by a good looking face and phenomenal chest and bicep yeah. genetics. Yeah. look at the rest of his physique. Traps it like, it where are they? Re- <laughs> there are none. It doesn't remotely compare to people like Dorian. It doesn't remotely compare to people like Jay like Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie yeah, Ronnie's, yeah. Ronnie's the GOAT, by far. He, made, he's, he sacrificed his body for it, but those guys, that school started with Doreen. There would be yeah. no Ronnie Coleman or Nasser El-Sabati. A lot of these guys who in the 90s and 2000s were amazing bodybuilders. You had greater physiques than Arnold, who lost because the standard was so high, and that standard was set by Doreen. Mm.
1: And, you know, Arnold was like the OG, I suppose, but yeah, and then, you know, but you look at like who Dorian Yates is post bodybuilding career, and he's an inspiration. He's someone really worth listening to. He's a very humble, down-to-earth guy who's who's worked things out. He knows what's important. He knows what isn't. And, and you yeah, know, don't think the same can be said for Arnold. But I don't want to. I don't want to keep trashing the guy. But I think think I've made my point clear. You know, um, just someone to think about. Just some food for thought
0: big time. And I think that it's, it's needed to be said. And I think, you know, you're a perfect guest <laughs> to sort of highlight this. Mm. Um, but I didn't get to say this when you sort of laid it out. You asked it, when you went on your monologue about sigils and about logos, <laughs> because I, I sort of, I sort of went into the interesting rabbit hole of cyclical versus phases, you know, like final phase. Um, It seems to me If you master all these practices and guide it towards the Logos. If we do this as a world, then we're going to be thrust out of the dark age pretty damn quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's this kind of selfish attitude that keeps you in the dark ages. And, you know, I think your number one goal as a human and as a man today is to get us as close as you can to the golden age, you know, um, it is a very Jordan Peterson-esque thing. You know, every day just get the world closer to heaven and further from hell. And if you can do that, you've done your job. That's all that really matters. And and people, you know, and you'll find that doing that actually, you know, fulfills you even more than any material wealth ever could. Um, And like one of the big things in today's world is people don't know the meaning of life. They don't know their purpose in life struggling to find their purpose and they don't feel fulfilled and it's like well because you're only thinking about you but like you've got to think of humanity like everyone is your brother everyone is your sister and we have conflict and stuff but ultimately the end of the day our goal is to move humanity towards a golden age and if you dedicate your life to that you're satisfied in every way possible because you will you know benefit from it financially because you'll be a virtuous person who will work hard as a result in whatever you do and people will like you and respect you and you'll feel fulfilled and you will have done something good for the world and history will remember your name and so when people say oh I, I can't find fulfillment or purpose it's like well you're you're thinking too selfishly you know take a step away from yourself think about the big picture here work towards that and you'll be like oh this is why I was put on the earth in the first place you know and I believe there is no like your truth or your purpose I I fundamentally think we all actually have the same purpose in life and that's exactly that you know to act in accordance with the logos and move humanity towards a golden age I
0: couldn't agree more Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I think if we said anything after that
1: and you to stop this time. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think if we're going to leave the audience with anything, it's that.
1: Yeah. Well, but that's before it, we go. Yeah. Uh,
0: where can people find you? Because I think people seriously need to find you.
1: Well, um, yeah. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear a bit more, um, check out Zenovial on Instagram. Uh, Z e n o can't even spell my own brand, Z-E-N-O-V-I-E-L. That's on Instagram and the same uh, handle on YouTube. Um, So check those out. We put the out my own podcast on YouTube and lots of other like little kind of five to 10 minute videos of me like monologuing about a particular concept, maybe something I wrote about on the Instagram or whatever. But yeah, I like to think I post some good aesthetics and and meaningful stuff. Um, So yeah, please chuck me a follow. I've also just finished the Zenovial program, so that's going to be like a membership kind of um, group, and it's going to be all about, you know, like living an authentic life of purpose and how to, you know, act out of accordance with truth, goodness, and beauty, and logos, and devoting yourself to higher powers and things like that, and, and we kind of market it as being beyond self-help. So, um, if that's something you're interested in, give those a follow, and, you know, DM me if you're interested, always up for a chat.
0: uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing a bit more about that program. I think that's a program that's going to be very unique. Yeah. A lot of sort of memberships that are out there that are, you know, a lot of flavors of the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's what I really wanted to avoid. Like, I I cringe when I say membership program, but I'm like, no, this is something that I really believe in, and it's something that was not just to make a quick buck. Um, Like, this is something that is is really about like guys who have done the whole self-help stuff and then they want to actually make something real of themselves. And so like I've put, you know, as much knowledge as I have in my brain into that program to try to get people on the right track.
0: Well, that's excellent. So
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm very
0: looking forward to learning more and I hope all of the listeners are as well. And Before we go, could you just uh, quickly explain the name, Zinobiel?
1: Uh, so Zenovial, uh, a guy who I kind of, or he actually works with the account with me. I do a lot of like the more kind of creative stuff without sounding like a douche. Um, I, I, I I do. We have very different personalities. I'm very um, I'm very kind of creative and ideas focused, and he's very diligent and he works very hard and and um, does the jobs really well and like all the editing and stuff um, and. So we complement each other really well. And so he, um, when we were kind of thinking up, you know, brand names, for example, he was like, oh, well, what about Zenobia? And I was like, it's been an ugly word, but I kind of like it and He goes, it means the life of Zeus. And I thought, oh, that's pretty epic, but let's let's change it to Zenovia. It sounds a bit nicer. Um, so we did. And then we realized there are lots, like Zenovia is apparently an uncommon girl's name. Um and when you look up Zenovia on YouTube, you get a lot of, like, makeup accounts and stuff. So, we're like, oh, what can we do with it? Let's change it to Zenoviel, you know. Um, I don't know. We just changed the, the suffix on the end or whatever, and it stuck. So, yeah. So, we like it. Um, yeah, that's the If that's You want proper answer.
0: Shakespeare there making make it up your own word.
1: I like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, you know, that's, that's part of the originality, I think, yeah. Um, you know so I I like it in that standpoint it's kind of like yeah it is just it's a made up word but it's a a, because we made it up it's a word that we can attribute its own meaning we can attribute a meaning to it if you know what I mean and hopefully that meaning is something that will you know echo throughout history and that it can be used as a a word people actually use to describe something hopefully one day if, if all goes well
0: I'd, I'd bet on it, honestly.
1: <laughs> Thank know. you.
0: Um, and I hope to see that ideal permeate through our listeners' lives.
1: So do I. Yes. So. Well, thanks for having me oh, on. It was awesome. Yeah.
0: Oh, it was. It was, it was truly. I, I say this every time when I have a guest. Truly, it was my <laughs> pleasure. It was. It was an yeah. honor and a pleasure. And, it um, was. Folks, I hope you all strive for logos in every avenue that you have at your disposal. And until then, good night and good storms. Thank you.